Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Vince August podcast. We are up to episode 28. This one is a Oscar recap. And keeping with my promise from earlier this year, looking to bring you guests. Uh, I have someone to comment with me. And this should be good because I know we're going to disagree on a lot of topics, uh, especially when it comes to the Oscars and the speeches and the winners and uh, some of what went on. Because the person I have with me actually worked on award shows. Um, He's worked in television for 20 years before he um, left the business or got thrown out of the business. He never really answers the question. Uh, a part of me thinks he got his ass thrown out of the business. Um, but if you Google Gary Warner, you will see that he has uh, been involved in award shows. He was involved in soaps, books. Uh, why don't you tell everybody your history? I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> Since I was drummed out of the core. <laughs> No, I, I do have some history with award shows. I was a producer on the Daytime Emmy Awards on ABC TV back in the late 90s, and it might have been early 2000s, too. And funny thing is, I recognize a lot of the names who worked on these Oscars. Um, they worked on the Emmys back then, too. So I have tremendous respect for award shows and what it takes to go into them. Doesn't mean I like this show entirely. But... Right. My initial reaction is they should have been bounced out of business with you. <laughs> Because this this Oscars was clearly one of the weaker ones, um, just visually, as far as I'm concerned. But also the numbers came back and 7 million viewers down. The ratings were lower than ever before. And I think there's a lot of things that went into it. I don't think it's yeah. just an issue of people turning off sets. I don't think it was the worst show by far. No, not the worst. There, there have been others that have struggled. But listen, there's a, a couple of topics I definitely want to get into. We're going to get into Neil Patrick Harris. Um, I think there was a, a clear attempt here for political avoidance. I want to talk about that. Um, you know, the memoriam section is kind of weird. Some people have issue with Joan Rivers. I'll address that as well. Um, another huge issue I have with the Oscars, and I'm interested in your take, is I think the Oscars really goes too far with the musical performances. I think it's becoming a, a version of the Grammys. That's really my big issue with this year's Oscars, and, and it's getting more and more to be that. And then we'll go over the speeches, the winners, and the nominees. But let's start with... The upfront thing, which is Neil Patrick Harris, which I understand they went for a song and dance guy in the in the vein of Billy Crystal, um, but I I felt he was a fish out of water. Well, he I think he was too small for the show. I mean, he was great in the in the I saw he did the Emmys last year. He's done a couple of Emmys. He's done five Tony Awards, and he was terrific. He felt comfortable. He was in his element. I don't think he was in his element. I think you needed someone. I don't know if the word is bigger, but someone stronger, someone who elevated the material. Uh, he, he, I, I, all in all, I do think he was a, a disappointment. Well, uh, let me give him this. The yeah. opening number I thought was great. Great. Love, I thought it was a great start. It saluted the magic of movies, uh, the fun. The, it, 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 it kind of tipped its cap to movies instead of, instead of uh, putting them down. And, and, and we didn't laugh at it. I think we enjoyed it for a change. Right, and, and that's the big thing. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think as a host, and listen, I'm coming at this as a stand-up comedian who emcees a lot of shows, a stand-up comedian who's always in front of a live audience, as a guy who warms up the audience for, for Jon Stewart. I think you have to know your audience. Yeah. And I think the key thing here with this audience is 
they don't want to be made fun of. This is a very yeah. serious thing for them. Yeah, and I think when he was presented with uh, something that fell flat, he didn't know what to do with it because he didn't have, and I'll use you as the example, he didn't have your skills to deal with uh, something that doesn't work. You make you know, a mountain out of I mean, you, 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 can, you can shine when the audience gives you nothing. Right, and his big swings and misses were when he went into the audience. Yeah. Oh, his was, improvisation was awful. I am tired of that, that bit of that chumminess and in, in, in referring to the audience and, oh, look at Oprah out there, blah, blah, blah. She's one of us. And, you know, it, it just – that bit has gotten old for me. Now, now, this isn't all on him. There were writers behind oh, yeah. this. You're a guy who worked on these oh, shows. Oh, yeah. So th- this is the, on the writers as well. I think he had a lot of input, though, okay. from everything I read before the show of what he wanted to do. All right. Well, I tried to get him off the hook. Screw him. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what was the one thing, though, that as a comic was making me cringe the entire night was the bit with regards to his guesses that were in the sealed briefcase. If you were going to pump up a joke that big, you better pay off. Wow. You better have (laughs) a punchline. And the thing that was in that briefcase was the one thing I hoped wasn't in there, which was accurate predictions. I wanted something so far out of left field. I wanted something that I never would have thought in a million years would have been in there. I don't care what it is, whether it was a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey with a whip. I want something crazy in there, not, hey, look, I guessed. Yeah, the bit failed. Oh, miserably. And listen, the bar was set so high, it didn't have a chance of succeeding. Well, you kind of hoped that there would be something, like you said, something. You even wanted him. I wanted him to, to we wanted to laugh at him something. in that moment. Right. I didn't laugh. I wanted something embarrassing there. I wanted yeah. him to say, oh, my God, I brought the wrong briefcase. Anything but what was in there, which was accurate guesses. Yeah. Because it's, it's a terrible, terrible punchline. Um. So Neil Patrick Harris, again, now with regards to host, you know, the guy who seemed to get the formula right is Billy Crystal, without a doubt. Steve Martin, I think, also did a great job. When you you start going back further than that into Johnny Carson and Bob Bob Hope, Hope. that's a different – those are different Oscars. And and you're taking it into a different area where – it was more about pageantry, more about respect, more about magic. The ma- and I'll yes. use that term again: the magic of the movies. Right. Uh, these were these were stars, and they were celebrated as stars, and not this kind of. Uh, and you didn't need the host to really do anything. No, no, the host introduced. I mean, if you that look was at, it. If you remember, if you look back, Bob Hope did a five, you know, a two minute monologue. Then and it was then, about the show. Then it was about the show. Right. So now it's become about the host. Now, with regards to, well, then, you know, who's who's the better host? You know, should it be a stand-up comedian? I don't think you can go pure stand-up comedian, and we've seen that with Chris Rock. We saw it with Letterman. It failed miserably. Horribly. And the reason it does fail miserably is, again, a stand-up comedian, most comedians, have an edge to them, and that's not this audience. Mm-hmm. They, You know, listen, as a fan of the Oscars— I think of myself as one of the people in the audience. And again, this is a stand-up comedian audience recognition. The last, I'm nervous. I'm sick to my stomach. It's okay if we laugh at the industry in an entirety, if we kind of meld the movies together like Billy Crystal does in an open number, like Neil Patrick Harris did. That's one thing. But to single people out in that moment of that nerve-wracking moment, I mean, oh my God, the gum workout that uh, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton <laughs> was unbelievable. He must have burned 3,000 calories just chewing gum that night. Right. This is what they're going through. So 
it's really you have to find a delicate balance yeah. between you know stand up the ability to do improv and a showman. I thought Hugh Jackman did yeah, a great job. I was about job. to say that. It's funny. It's that yeah. that was my choice. The year what was that? Three or four years ago that Hugh yes. Jackman uh, hosted. I think he had that balance of respect, of humor, and of course he can he can perform. He's a performer, and that's the other thing, the respect factor, because he in fact is one of them. Yeah, he is. He's, right, he's a movie star. Okay, so I guess you know Neil Patrick Harris, who I like, who I think did I, a I tremendous like job hosting the uh, the Tonys and the Emmys. Right, uh, and his opening numbers there were actually even better. He seemed. It was a great opening number. I love the CGI effects on it, but he seemed a little tight. He did. He seemed. I think. I think the moment was bigger than him. Yeah. I think you nailed it. Yeah. Okay. The, the second topic I wanted to hit is political avoidance, and I think there was really an attempt to do that in this year's Oscars. And I'm going to go with the two overwhelming examples. One, the lack of nominations for Selma. I think in light of what's been going on this year in the United States with Ferguson, Missouri, I think what we saw in Staten Island uh, with uh, Michael Brown, I think those two events kind of made the Academy think, you know what, this is not the year to jump on a movie like that with the climate in the country. Now, someone who's been involved in award shows, is that some of the thinking that goes on? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I think it was really just a matter of the members of the Academy. Are we reviewing the show here or are we reviewing the Academy? The Academy is what? 2600 people. I think they added I read that they added 271 people to the Academy. They let them in to try to, you know, broaden uh broaden the horizon. Um but no, I think I think it's uh, the the voters. I don't I think it's the individual people making these votes. And uh, they happened to choose. Uh, they did. They didn't go for Selma this year for whatever reasons. And I, I'm not sure of what what that reason is. Yeah, I, I, I didn't don't think see it's it. a political choice. I didn't see it, so I, I can't I comment saw, on the film. I saw it. Okay. Um, with regards to the film, then, as someone who yeah. saw it, is it a film that you walk away from saying this is again a Martin Luther King story? This is about his yeah. wife. It's about you know what they did, what their life was like as he was going through you know becoming this huge part of our history i think it's uh, it's a historical story it's a it's a it's a momentous story i don't think it's a great movie okay then that's that's what it's about i, I left it i left it drained i thought it was powerful i don't think i think it could have been a better movie okay but then his story no matter what is going to yeah, be powerful right 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 i mean just his life is right. powerful it's, it's almost hard to not make a movie about Martin Luther King and it not be powerful. I saw the movie, and do you know what I think was more powerful than the movie? I thought the musical number they did on stage at the Dolby Theater right. was more powerful than the movie itself. Okay. I thought that moment. So then they, they, it's possible they swung and missed, and the Academy picked up on it. Uh, the other movie that, again, you know, I think there was a political avoidance, it got three nominations, I believe, was... Uh, American Sniper. Can I back up for just a second? And I hate to do this to you, but uh, when you say political avoidance, I don't think Neil Patrick Harris av uh, avoided anything. No. He made a joke right off. He did. He made a very, uh, you know, that he was a that was a a, a very um, controversial joke from what I've been reading. And and one of well, well you're talking about the the whitest, whitest, whitest and whitest. Right. Well, we're going to get to that. Okay. Um, I, I'm more looking at you know he did make a good, uh, a really good improv joke. When it came to one of the the acceptance, the documentary when they made reference to Eric Snowden, 
and um, he did something about treason. He did a treason right, punchline, right. which was, I thought, very, very witty, very on the spot. So I'm glad that he did that. Um, but I, I think with the nominations that you saw for American Sniper and the fact that it didn't win, I, again, what, what I see there is, listen, we're going to acknowledge this movie for a couple of reasons. One, I thought it was a brilliant movie. I saw the movie and you leave. Everyone left the movie, not a sound in the theater. Mm -hmm. It was not a bang, bang, shoot 'em up movie. It was a movie that was about what our soldiers are going through when they come home, the post-traumatic stress. But at the same time, again, we're, we're not going to give awards to what we know is a tragic part of our current history. You know what? The soldiers, you know what? The events right now going on in this country, and there's, I think, a, a a racial divide that's widening in this country. I think the Oscars and the Academy kind of pulled away from it. And if they did it consciously, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, they very well could have. It might be just too fresh. Yeah. And too, and too I think in 10 years, uh, American Sniper, uh, if it had been made 10 years from now, it might be a different movie or a different reaction. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So I don't have a problem. If, if that's what they were doing, yeah. I really don't have a problem with it. Um, the other issue that came up that was a huge issue was Joan Rivers being left out of the, the memorial part of the Oscars, which for me, I have to tell you, I get choked up every year, never fail. Um, and there's always that one person you see that seems to choke you up more than the others. This year for me was probably Robin Williams, because again, as, as a comedian, you know, who became an, an actor that there's a connection there. Um, I have to tell you, though, right off the bat, I know there was a lot of outrage, and I was on Twitter all night with Joan Rivers. I didn't have a problem with it, and the reason I didn't have a problem with it is because, to me, Joan Rivers is not someone, when you think of her, silver screen. She is not, to me, a part of Hollywood in that way. She's entertainment, but I don't see her as part of Hollywood. Honestly, I never thought about it until I read about it the next day that Joan Rivers le was left out. But once I read about it, I thought, yeah, I think she should have been in it because she is part. I mean, she was part of the Oscar experience and part of the Hollywood experience. The red carpet is okay. Joan's domain. Now, it, that's part of the whole movie-going experience <laughs> to me. All right, now here's the, the issue, though, yeah. and it brings us back to Neil Patrick Harris. When she did the red carpet, yeah. she used to do it in a way that was, again, making fun of these people, you know, making a spectacle of them. And again, that's not the audience you want to attack. So, you know, do a lot of those people walking in that theater feel attacked by her? And does the Academy take issue with that? Either way, I think she is an essential part of Hollywood lore. And she, in my opinion, she should be in it now. If we get to the, if you want to talk about the in memoriam segment in total, I think it, it could have been a lot different. Uh, yeah, well, that, now the segment itself, it's, you know, you have the music playing in the background, and then they shift into Jennifer Hudson. Go ahead, you're ready well, to chomp at the yeah, bit. Yeah, because I texted you <laughs> during the show. I was so outraged. Uh, first of all, I thought it, was, it started out really well done. Yes. You know, in being part of award shows, I know that we were, to we were told back then, Give time to the in-memoriam segment. It is the most popular segment in the entire show. This was you know, back in the Emmys in the, in the, in the 90s. It's got to be the same today. I'm sure it is. It started out great. They had a, a, a technically— Meryl Streep. Well, her, her introduction to me was a little long. I'm like, okay, I'm thinking, get to it. Get to it already, Meryl. Okay, wrap it up. Let's see. Right. 
you know, and, and, and she went on for about five minutes telling us what we were going to see. Then they showed us a real— Which we know what we're going to see. Yeah, but they did it very in- innovatively. Uh, they, uh, they, it was kind of these watercolor Artistic, yes. pencil sketches, right. and they, they moved rapidly, and um, it, it was working real, I thought, really well. But then it ended. Suddenly. Suddenly. And they brought out Jennifer Hudson to sing a song from the show Smash— that had nothing to do with uh, uh, movies. I felt and- no connection between her song and what we just witnessed. Yeah. And at that point, it it didn't have any relevance or connection to the Oscars. I kept waiting for clips to appear behind Something. her. You know, they will start rolling clips of the people we've just seen. But it became about Jennifer Hudson. Yeah, it was extraneous. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't get it at all. I and was furious. See, now, again. I didn't know what to do, so I texted you. <laughs> now, now here's the other part of that. Again, we're talking about maybe the Oscars trying to hit an audience that they lost. Because from what we're seeing from the numbers, 18 to 49 they lost a lot of seven million people yeah. in that audience. Yeah. So you know, is putting Jennifer Hudson on stage supposed to bring in that younger audience? One and two. Here's the other thing going in: the brightest and whitest. Do we give Jennifer Hudson a number? As we, I saw, seemed to see a lot of that night. A lot of you know African American presenters. And it's was that an apology? Was that a makeup? What was going on there? Well, I think I think it was obvious from a directorial standpoint. Any time uh, Selma was mentioned, they would cut to Oprah, Oprah. or the or the black, I, black people of the arc. And you know what, folks? Black people like other movies too. Yeah. I, you want to tell the director that? Right. I mean, that's what I kept thinking. I, I, I listen to me. Here's the other thing about this show that really upset me: the seating was horrific because it really appeared to be a black section of the theater that was Oprah section, that was the Selma section, and then all the other movies. Not only that, but, you know, when you know— Well, that's pretty normal, though. I don't know. It, to as me, far as—you know, you, you usually seated together with your, you know, people from your movie. Uh, that's, that's not unusual. It, it's not, but here's what made it unusual. It was a movie that wasn't nominated. Right. So if we take a movie that wasn't nominated other than for the song and we give them a prominent position in the theater. Meanwhile, we had winners of the awards had a walk from Sunset Boulevard <laughs> yeah. to get to the stage. The costume, the, 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 the lady, the Italian woman who yeah. wore her costume, she was seated, and you said it best, she was seated on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> she was Boulevard. on Sunset Boulevard. She needed a cab to get to the it's, stage. You're right about that. You're right. They, they were uh, Oprah, of course. Well, she's Oprah. She is going to be prominently seated. Right. I just found it a little bit weird the way they set that up. Didn't bother me. Okay. Um, I, I had issues with it, again, because, you know, you, you know some people are winners. You know some people aren't nominated. You know, and, yes, you want the stars in camera view, but, uh, you know, we're going to pan around the whole theater. We're going to show people it's an edited show. Yeah. You know, I, again, I, I felt like there was a little bit of placating that was almost apologetic. Yeah, I found it laughable. Yeah, I, I really did. I, yeah. I thought it was like, well, you know what's here? We didn't nominate you, but here's what we're going to do for right. you. Well, you put you in a prominent position in the theater. Um, now, th- that brings me to, again, here we get into the show, and, and Jennifer Hudson is going to lead into this. The musical numbers, with the exception of the 50th anniversary tribute to Julie Andrews, which was oh, absolutely— To Sound of Music. To Sound of Music. I'm right. sorry. Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music. To me, that was the showstopper yeah. 
not to take anything away from Glory. That was an unbelievable performance, a very powerful number on stage. But what um, Lady Gaga did with that song, the fact that they recognized this 50th anniversary, I thought was exactly what the Oscars is supposed to be. Yeah, I thought so too. I, it, was, it was glamour. She astounded me. I mean, I, I never expected that. When I first saw oh, Lady and they promoted Lady Gaga. If you notice, they, pro, they promo Almost Lady the Gaga six times before she comes out, which is obviously backs up your point that they, they're, you know, they're, hey, young people, stick yes, around. Exactly. Right. Right. Again, right. targeting the young audience. Right. Now, with regards to the musical numbers. Now, here's my issue with the Oscars. I don't mind that the Oscars are three and a half hours long or whatever, three hours long. 40 minutes too long. Yeah, I I don't mind that for the simple fact that this is the entertainment Super Bowl. And if our Super Bowl coverage for one game can start at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 o'clock in the afternoon for a 6.30 kickoff, and then the game can go until 10.30, I don't have a problem with the Oscars starting at 8.30, ending at 11.30. If I have any problem with the time, it's the start time. But again, a lot of people have to realize 8.30 East Coast is 5.30 West Coast. I mean, you know, what are you going to start this thing? 3 o'clock in the afternoon West Coast? You can't. Okay, so I don't have a problem with the length of the Oscars. Here's where I think the length of the Oscars is becoming an issue. We are taking one category, best song, and we are really extending the Oscars to me about 45 minutes going over these musical numbers for one category. I would rather see movie clips from the nominated actors, the films. So you know what? The people at home, which in this case didn't see a lot of these movies, can at least become more familiar with the people in the movies, the people behind the movies, and what the stories are. So if they did miss them, now they have a reason to watch them. Yeah, you know what was missing this year that's been done so well in the past, and it's always something that I look forward to, is that compilation piece. It's usually done by, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I think the guy's name is Chuck Workman. Um, he's the, he directs these terrific compilation pieces uh, of different movies. Maybe it's a theme, and maybe it's the movies from that year. Maybe it's great movies, but there wasn't. I didn't get a sense uh, um, on on Sunday night of that of that that Hollywood glamour. I don't need to see you know forty five minutes of musical numbers. No, I don't. I don't want to see forty five minutes. I want to see John Wayne. I want to see uh, that kind of um, you know the Cary Grants, you know the Ava Gardner. I want to see that's. T- I want to celebrate. I don't need to see Josh Hutchison. Who the hell is Josh Hutchison? Listen, what, worse. He, he was a presenter. Yeah, who wh- was he? Wh- worse than that. I don't know who he was. Right. T- to me, you know what? We just had. This is what we call our, you know, award season. We just had the Grammys. Right. You know, we just had people perform musical numbers. What they I bombed too. They bombed too. What I would like to see for, with regards to this one song, because you have two categories. You have the soundtrack, and then you have these individual songs. What I'd rather see from these individual songs, give me a compilation at that moment. Let the five different performers come out. Let the music kind of you know, meld into each other. And this way, you, you give us the category all at once. But segmenting out this one category, it seems to give it too much importance. But if you do that, I'm, I'm listening to you, and I... I, I... But if you do that, you lose those moments. You lose that uh, that Selma moment, which to me I thought was a highlight, a real highlight of the show. I, I, I thought it was the most powerful uh, moment in the show. 
Well, I, I, I disagree with that. I thought there were some speeches that outdid that. Mm, but Good point. But at that point, is it the most powerful moment in this show because the show was so weak? It could be. Right. Yeah. So, I, again, I, I want to see more movie clips. I want to see – and here's the reason why I want to see more movie clips. And Neil Patrick Harris made a great point from in, in the beginning. The movies that we saw nominated for Best Picture made something like six, $700 million. One of those films made half of that. So basically, we're spreading out the other half of you know four hundred thousand, four hundred million among four films. That tells me not a lot of people saw these movies. Yeah, there's no question the Academy members are elitists, and they're and they're and they're picking movies that you know the public uh, are not going to see in, in droves. Right, they're not go- You know, it's it's it's. Um... So give me a reason to see them. I want to see the clips. Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah. I want exactly. to see the clips. So this way, at least when when the you know the Grand Budapest Hotel wins, right? Now I have a reason to want mm-hmm. to see it. Mm-hmm. But seeing nothing more than a costume person walk eight miles to the stage to get an award isn't going to give me a reason to want to see this movie. Okay, great costumes. All right, they they won for you know costumes, hair design. Why do I want to see it? Mm. So I, I want to see clips from the movie that will draw me, so that when it is on HBO, Showtime, cable. Now, oh, yeah, you know what? There were some clips. This movie seems interesting to me. I didn't get any of that from this Oscars. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But I think, I think you know the reason, and I think you summed it up best. It's appealing to, to the audience. Thinking. They're pandering. That, pandering to the audience. Yeah. Yeah, and they have to. I mean, it's their, look what happened. Do you know that, do you know that um, I read something interesting, that when there are a lot of black nominees, um, that the audience is... is much larger, yeah. I think I think they 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 panicked a little this year. Thinking, they absolutely panicked. Yeah. They absolutely and and a lot was made of Selma not being nominated, and I think that was part of the panic. Yeah, easily. Okay. Um, then there was the the thing that saved the Oscars, uh, the speeches. Now yeah. I take issue with some of the speeches. Um, I'm going to start with. Let's start with the one that gave me an issue. Um, I have no issues, so this ought to be good. I have an issue. Uh, my first issue, I'm going to go with uh, Patricia Arquette's speech. While I thought her speech was, she was prepared, she pulled out a sheet of paper, she wanted to make sure she got everybody, and I love that. She didn't go up there like the, the, the Polish filmmaker who just you know went on and on. Insert, I loved him. Insert Polish joke. No, I love that mm. reaction. I love that honest reaction. I love that rambling right. because that's someone who won. And this is my moment. I'm never going to be probably in Los Angeles ever again. Right, right, you right. know what? Let me take – and I love that. I yeah. love that. that was, remember, who was the guy, the, the Italian who won for the postman who started – Roberto cl- Benini. Benini, who started <laughs> climbing over seats. Right. Love those moments right. because they're real. I love that Patricia Arquette was prepared. I'm going to thank everybody. I'm going to make sure. With regards to her political statement and jobs and wages, I'm I'm going to go back and forth on this. I'm taking both sides of the argument. One, you know what? As someone in a position to potentially affect change and make a statement to bring awareness, great. You're in that position. You have the platform. If you want to use it for that, you may alienate some of your audience. You may not. You know what? Take a shot. I don't like it at that particular place because to me, it's a little self-serving. I think if you really want to make change as Patricia Arquette, you can start a website. You can get involved in politics. You could be, there's a lot of other things you could do that make that statement there. Now, I don't know if she's following up. I don't know what else she's doing about it. 
Here's the issue I have with it. I don't see how you can say there's a much better way. You have the largest audience you could possibly have right there. You do, but at the same time, your IMDb rating is going to go through the roof. People are going to start finding out who you are. You can make the statement and then follow up with it. I don't know what she's doing since then, and that's the key to me. It's only One, been two days. Right, but she should, you know, be prepared to do something more than that. So that's my issue there. It's great that you made the speech. Be prepared to do something more than it. Okay, we'll the, judge that later then. Yes, we'll judge that later, which is why I'm going both ways okay. on this one. Here's my other issue. When I see people like Meryl Streep and other actresses yelling from the audience, you go, girl, or whatever they're yelling, to me, that's a little condescending to the person at home watching because, oh, look, the multi-multi-millionaires the are starting to yell and scream about how we're underpaid at home. That, to me, it, it's, again... It's that weird line of, are you doing this for me? Or you're doing it for you. Do you really care about the people at home? You know, it's almost like, oh, yeah, you guys are really struggling. What, the, the female actresses, you're not getting as big of contracts as the male actors. Real, oh, I'm supposed to feel bad because they get $21 million, you get $18 million. It's an issue. I'm not saying it's not an issue that has to be dealt with. It's just a weird place to bring it up and how it's brought up. Because it's not going to start a dialogue. Well, I thought that first I'm going to give the director credit because he, after I trashed him earlier, he cut to Meryl Streep yes. and J Lo in the audience just at the point where oh, perfect it was. I thought it was a, a, you know an amazing, amazing moment. No, I thought it was very heartfelt, very earnest, and uh, I mean these people. Uh, uh, just you know, you seem to be penalizing them because they make a lot of money. I'm not. I'm. I'm just. I'm questioning their sincerity. Ah, I can't. I don't see how you can do that. Again, I want. Now we judge them. We don't judge them based on their reaction. We judge okay. them after the fact. Okay. I want to see their actions that follow that speech. Okay. So I'm all for it. But now you better do something to follow it up. Right. You better do something more. Uh, the second one, and this guy was roasted absolutely roasted on social media unmercifully. And I think it was unwarranted. And again, this is the inside that everyone misses. Sean Penn is selected for a reason to present the award of best picture. We may not know why at that moment. Now, when Sean Penn opens up the envelope, he does a long dramatic pause, which was kind of not the nicest thing to do at this point. These people want to know if they won or not. That's not really the place you pump the brakes. But he makes a comment. Who gave this guy a green card anyway before he presents the award to in, in Aratu? And a lot of people went nuts with that. I, before I went nuts on Twitter, said, hold on, let me do some homework. And if anybody does homework, and immediately it was, this is racism, this is, again, the, the white, you know, the white Oscars. If you do your homework, Sean Penn and Inaratu go back years. Yes. There's a friendship here. There's a relationship here, which is why he's selected. Yeah. That's an inside joke that is meant really for him, the recipient, the people in the theater that we're not in that inner circle and don't get. So right. before you jump all over Sean Penn, and I can't believe I'm defending yeah. Sean Penn, before you jump all over him, you know what? You've got to realize there's something going on there that you don't know anything even about. If, even if you don't know it, couldn't you sense from his tone that he was being... It was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. Can't, you know, it's, 
just from the way an expression on his face, and it's something we would say. Something. Oh God, who gave this guy his green card? He's what? It's a congratulatory statement. Uh, it's it's like something you would see at a roast. It's oh, done God. out of emotion. Yourself. It's done out of you know respect in a mm. kidding way. And here's the thing that again is it it drives me nuts about this country. The recipient of the remark thought it was humorous, left, and immediately addressed it afterwards. In fact, he made a joke about he it himself. Did. He certainly did. And and everyone jumped all over it. And again, this is our country. This is the haters out there looking for a reason to jump on somebody, bury somebody. It's racism. It's all lighting up. It's social media events. It's social media at its worst. Yeah. At its worst. Okay. Um, two more. Common, unbelievable speech. Recently, John and I got to go to Selma and perform glory on the same bridge that Dr. King and the people of the Civil Rights Movement marched on 50 years ago. This bridge was once a landmark of a divided nation, but now is a symbol for change. The spirit of this bridge transcends race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, and social status. The spirit of this bridge connects the kid from the south side of Chicago dreaming of a better life to those in France standing up for their freedom of expression to the people in Hong Kong protesting for democracy. This bridge was built on hope, welded with compassion and elevated by love for all human beings. And then John Legend absolutely loses me when he makes this statement with regards to the incarceration level being higher than the slavery level. And here's why, John Legend. Now you're bringing the lawyer out of me. Now you're bringing the judge out of me. I could tell you as someone who was a criminal defense attorney for eight years before becoming a judge, back doing criminal defense. In fact, the day after the Oscars, 9 o'clock in the morning, I was in criminal court. I don't know where John Legend was. I was in criminal court in Bergen County. As a judge for six years, presiding over a criminal court, I could tell you this. Of the people incarcerated, I'm going to say a large majority of them don't think they did anything wrong. A small majority of them probably didn't do anything wrong. Now, if you want to say we in this country have overused our jail system, that we are an, uh, uh, an incarceration-happy society, that's a different statement. That's a different statement. But if you were going to make this an African-American issue with regards to slavery and how we continue to keep black men incarcerated in chains, I'm sorry, that was very misplaced. And John, you should do some fact research before you start getting into that because that's a legal system issue. That's a society issue on how we deal with the wrongs in our society, how we deal with drug use as a criminal issue or as a dependency issue. There's a whole other thing going on there that I think he really made a statement that was misplaced. Yeah, it was misplaced. I think I can't add to anything you've said. I just thought coming on the heels of Common's beautiful speech that really stuck to the issue. Um, it just came out of left field, and it was just like, yeah. where is he getting, where is he, why is he going there? Right. We went from building a bridge that yeah. unites us to a, a speech that divides us. Right. So, I, yeah, John, I'm sorry. You, you That was a, a bad speech. That yeah. was yeah. that was the worst speech of the night for me. Easily. Um, then there was, for me, the, the moment, and this one hits close to home for me, and this was the, the moment I got emotional. I'm actually getting a little choked up now. The, the, yes. Yeah. The, the, to me... 
I will forever remember the 2015 Oscars for two words, stay Stay weird. weird. When I was 16 years old, I tried to kill myself um, because I felt weird and I felt different and I felt like I did not belong. And now I'm standing here. And so I would like for this moment to be for that kid out there who feels like she's weird or she's different or she doesn't fit in anywhere. Yes, you do. I promise you do. You do. Stay weird, stay different. And then when it's your turn and you are standing on the stage, please pass the same message to the next person who comes along. Thank you so much. I love you guys. That's, I will never forget the 2015 Oscars because of that hashtag, stay weird. I immediately tweeted it. I put it, I didn't post on Facebook all night until that moment. That was the most powerful moment for me of the entire Oscars. It definitely was the most honest moment of the night. Oh, no, no question. I I felt his speech um, and I felt uh, best actor. um, Was it? What's his name? Eddie Redman. Eddie Redman. Yeah. Um, I I felt you, you, you really felt they, their emotion come out of them. I mean, you, you saw just an exuberance. You saw a happiness and to take that moment, Graham, and acknowledge everyone else who's feeling what you felt in your life and made sure, listen, here's my way to help you. And to me, see, this is why I have an issue with Patricia Arquette. I just feel that she didn't, her speech while it's, hey, listen, we need to do something. Great. Now we have to follow up on it. To me, Graham did something. That moment. That was a band-aid for a lot of people. I think, I think, well, there's a difference of their styles, a different, of, you know, that's not, I give Patricia Arquette credit for what she did. I really do. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not knocking it. I want to see what the aftermath yeah, is. Yeah, okay. But to me, Graham Moore, what he said at that moment, that touched people. I'm one of them. Easily. Yes, I'm one touched, of them. Yes, it, it touched me too. And I think, it, it, how could it not? Yeah. How could it not? Yeah, that that was a, a tear-provoking moment. Stay yeah. weird. Yeah, that one hit me right away. All right, now we get to winners and nominees. Um, with regards to the one winner that I, I know, you're going to go crazy on this one. It it was the one award that, for me, was my bathroom break <laughs> um, because it was so anticipated. It was not a surprise. Everyone knew she was getting it. Um, it was a setup from the Golden Globes. It was a setup from SAG. I didn't see the movie. She's not a favorite of mine. And I felt by the time we said best actress, I, I could have finished Julianne Moore for whoever was opening the envelope. In fact, he didn't have to open the envelope. Everyone knew she was getting it. And her speech to me at that point was, you know what? You knew it. I knew it. Everybody knew it. It was like, here, here's your award. Go home. I didn't feel like there was anything to that moment. But you just said, I didn't see the movie. I didn't. I didn't see the movie. But you know what? The buildup, when you see- I saw the movie. Okay. How was her performance? I thought it was the best actress. In the- I mean, if there is such a thing as best actress, I thought she was the outstanding performance of the year. In, in a movie no one saw. Who cares? <laughs> That's no, again. This is the academy. Uh, this is the academy. It's also a movie that was made in 21 days. Yes, and I, I, I'm I'm not knocking her ability as an actress. I right. just felt the buildup. There was no surprise to that category. Yeah, but, uh, was she that far and above it, better than everyone else? No. Who is? How do we judge? Right. Come on. I mean, that's. Uh, but the fact you seem to be putting down the fact that, that that she won all these other awards. 
I, I just she felt, shouldn't win an Oscar because she won no. a Golden Globe and a, and a no, SAG and award. We've seen we've seen people sweep. We've seen people it's sweep. Yeah, it's happened. I I just I don't know. I felt it was a very anticlimactic moment. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah. So that no that, I, that that was the the issue I okay, had with it. Okay. It was very anticlimactic. It was one of those, and now we have the best actress category. And again, it was you know what? I, I don't need to see this. I think I even let out the dog at that moment because I knew who was getting it. <laughs> I knew this was no surprise. I wasn't going to miss anything. I already heard the speech twice, and for whatever reason, I, I didn't expect anything profound to come out of her. And and I wasn't disappointed. No, you weren't. Yeah. Um, again, uh, now forget about the speech. This is just the award. I want you to justify for me Patricia Arquette winning that Oscar. I can't. Okay, I, you can't. I, I can't. There's I, no way she should have won that category. I don't understand. I don't. I, I, who were the other nominees? I'm trying to. I'm looking. For well, that obviously Emma, Emma Stone jumps off the paper at me, um, yeah. having seen her performance in Birdman. She was brilliant. Yeah. Um, um, Dern, Laura Dern, I believe. I, I thought Laura Dern brought more to that role than than was on the page because I read the book before right. I saw the movie. And, all right, and now, now that's the key. Yeah, bringing something to the role beyond yeah. the page, or bringing something to the role beyond your personality. Yeah, I read the book. I read the book, and I thought she uh, illuminated that role for me. Now, tell me this, and uh, Patricia Arquette in an interview on Inside Edition or on the red carpet. Patricia Arquette in that movie Boyhood. What's the difference? <laughs> What's the difference? Are you saying she plays herself? It, there's no difference. And I love Patricia Arquette. She is in one of my all-time favorite movies, True Romance. I, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable yeah. True Romance. Well, yeah. But it was, it was in my, she might as well have yeah. been in CSI. Yeah. If I would have turned it on TV and flipped around the channel, I was like, oh, here's that CSI movie, I, that TV show. She did nothing to that role that made me forget she was Patricia Arquette. She gives her, uh, last year she gave a cringeworthy performance in Boardwalk Empire. It's <laughs> because she was Patricia Arquette. She doesn't play anything but, and listen, there are some actors that when you see them in their role, it's like, well, this is who they are. And Meryl Streep, of course, I mean, she gave a great performance in Into the Woods and she sang beautifully. And I guess it's, uh, somebody said it's by Cal California law that right. she's Neil nominated Patrick, yeah, each right. year. Um, and Which I, I have a problem with that at this point, too, because I think, you know, when you start over nominating somebody or it seems that they get a nomination for everything, it seems to water down who they are. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I don't need to see her nominated yeah. every year. Yeah. Um, but to me, I, I you can't justify Patricia Arquette winning that part. I'm sorry. Listen, to, to me, Kiera Knightley in the imitation yeah. game was better. Yeah, if we're judging like that. Yeah. But you know what? I think that that boyhood. Uh, my God! If it didn't get an if it didn't get an award after you know a movie taking twelve years to make, how okay. monumental is that? All right, now here's the other thing. I'm about almost the... relieved that she got it. Okay, now let's talk about Boyhood for a second while we're on it. To me, I, I find what Boyhood was in terms of cinematography, in terms of what it was as a film, was something new, something inventive, bold, bold. It definitely took a chance. And it's something very unique, something we may never see again. And if we never see it again, I am not going to be disappointed because at the end of that movie, when it ended, I remember thinking and saying out loud, it out that's loud. it. I'm sorry. There was, to me, nothing to that film. And a lot of it has to do with the performances 
were vanilla and bland at best because it was Patricia Arquette being Patricia Arquette. It's Ethan Hawke being Ethan Hawke before sunset, after sunset, in the middle of sunrise. I mean, it's they always are the same people. There was nothing in that film. Now, directorially, different story. To direct those people from year to year, you have to remember where you're leaving off, what their character is. I thought the director did the best job there. He did, indeed. And, and many people think he should have won, but look, he was up against a, a oh, It was a brutal. Yeah, it was a brutal yeah. category. Yeah. Brutal category. Um, and that brings us, obviously, to Birdman. Now, Birdman is a, a very unique film for a couple of reasons. One, it's that continual shot. And again, breaking down the third wall for anybody out there who is not in entertainment, you have to understand when films are shot, and if you're smart enough to pick up on it, you can pick up on the cuts and the edits. Yeah, it's, their films are basically uh, pieced together. Pieced together. Close up, close up, wide shot, and it's all put together in the editing room. I'm going to give you a perfect example. The movie Heat, uh, which was with Robert... De Niro and Al Pacino. There's a diner scene where they come face to face. In the movie, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino are never on the set at the same time. They are never on camera at the same time. That scene is done with a stand-in. And if you watch the scene again, you will see you never see the both of them because they couldn't get the two of them at the table at the same time. I don't know if it was an ego issue. I don't know if it was a contract. I don't know what the issue was, but they actually, even the final scene when they shoot, when they have their shootout, if you see how the scene ends, that is not Robert De Niro holding out Pacino's hands or opposite. So that gives you an idea of how the scenes are shot. In fact, if you go back and look, there's a bunch of flubs in that movie. Uh, there's the one scene where Al Pacino goes to Vegas and, and he's roughing up the, 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 the love interest, the boyfriend on the side of Val Kilmer's wife, and his tie is shifted into one scene and it comes back to center in the other. So, again, when, when you're in the business, you pick up on these things, and I know that's something that makes you insane. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can't stand those, uh, those things. But this movie, I mean, for those people who don't know out there, the movie is shot in, the, in a way you've never seen a movie shot before. Ever. It's as if it's one take, one camera that keeps moving throughout the movie, and it, you never see an edit. It's just the camera keeps – it's as if you were home with your camcorder, and you just left – like we shoot our movies. Right. Just you kind of pan back and forth and move around. And, and it's it, – of course, there were edits, and it's right. the magic of, of movies again. But it's, it's the most innovative thing you've ever seen. Now, here's the trick to it. Yeah. You need the actors – to know their script, to get emotionally in touch with their script all the way through, that's a really hard job. And that's one of the reasons the movie works for me because you're watching performances that you don't normally see. You're seeing this kind of heightened uh, 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 um, reality because they are so invested in their in their material because it's not just I ah, will do it again you know no. I'll take eighteen uh uh-uh. uh no no you you have to and here's the thing as an actor if you're Michael Keaton um, Naomi Watts if you're Edward Norton if you're in your scene and you're nailing that scene right. and someone else makes a flub. Let me tell you to start, start over, over, especially if it happens at the end of yeah. the scene. To start over and go back there, and this is a movie with a lot of emotion. Yeah. 
to get in touch with that. I'm, I wonder what kind of breaks they had to take to get everybody reset. Cause that's not something, all right, you know what? Cut, let's go back. Take two. No. Well, they're operating almost like theater and almost without a net like yeah. you do in theater. There are scenes that are 17 minutes long. Can you imagine, like you just said, you're 16 minutes. The concentration minutes. level. Yeah, you have to be. And, and you felt it. Didn't you feel it in absolutely. watching it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people don't realize, you know, part of acting and part of what you're trained to do is really get emotional in some of these scenes. And, and that was an emotional movie. There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of, um, you, you saw depression come out at different moments. And that's not easy to get, uh -uh. take after take. So for it's for those reasons... I love that Birdman one. Um, it, again, a brutal category. And it's for that reason, and don't get me wrong, a, a best actor was, I think, one of the most competitive categories I've ever seen. Um, I felt bad for Michael Keaton, but here to me was my second tearjerker moment of the Oscars is when he was on stage at the very end and you had to wait till about 10 seconds left in the show <laughs> When he looks into the microphone and says, who am I kidding? I'm just lucky to be here. Yeah. That for me was the, f and, and I was just about to shut off the TV and I heard that and I froze because that was a guy again, who started as a stand-up comedian, uh, a guy who became an action hero, overcame all of that, disappeared for a while, came back into some pseudo comedy roles and then hits this out of the park. And he went there. You know he was hoping he was winning with the way he was chewing oh, a gum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to not win, but yet at the end be on stage. And then it was that, that moment of self-realization of almost him putting himself down. Who am I kidding to think I could have ever won an Oscar? <laughs> and it, it almost brought me to tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an unbelievable moment. I, 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 that was the second moment. You know, the, the stay weird in that moment. Again, it was so real, so personal. Um, so th those well, were it's an, really it's an amazing performance and it's, it's, it's definitely my favorite movie of the year and I'm glad it won. It seemed to me there was a little justice there. And, uh, I just think, you know, it's, it's made what $11 million or something compared to, uh, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. nobody's seen this movie right. and, uh, I, I think hopefully that'll change now and it'll definitely change on, uh, well, on, on video. Here's the reason, it, uh, again, a lot of people haven't seen it. It is the hardest thing to do in entertainment is make a movie about entertainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Because, again, you're breaking down a third wall, you're going behind the scenes, and a lot of people outside of the business don't have as much of an appreciation for it as the people in the business do. Yeah, I, but I, I do think it's going to be seen now because okay. it won, and it deserves to be seen. All right, so here's our wrap-up moment. Um, how to make the Oscars better. Um, here's my take on it. Um, and I think there's only one way to do it and it's going to be real difficult to pull off. There were categories that deserve to be merited that night, deserve to earn their awards that night. However, I don't think it needs to be in front of the national audience. And there's a way to do that, whether it's in commercial breaks or whatever you want to do, animated short, the documentaries, the makeup, the hairstylist. I, can I interrupt for a second? Yes. Because I, I'm not sure I agree with you. Because th those are, they are the movies. And I had a great, great show uh, a week the other day, or, or um, afternoon in the theater the other day, seeing the live action shorts. 
I mean, I urge everybody, you can see them on, on um, Amazon video and I think going to be on Netflix soon. They're amazing. That's cinema. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not. What I'm saying is if you want to make the show. And then you're turning it into the Grammys. I, I'm, again, I'm not saying don't acknowledge those people. I'm saying you do, but you've got to do something with regards to the length of this. If you're not going to reduce the musical numbers, edit down the songs, give me a verse, do something, it, it tends to drag on. You know, the speeches weren't that long. This the speeches year. weren't that long at yeah, all, yeah. but it was still a three hour show. And I don't know why this one felt long. I think it should be a three hour show. I it should be. I don't think it should be a three hour and 40 minute show. No, I, I think we're focusing on the wrong things in those three hours. I, I want to see more of the, the big nominated categories. I want to have a connection to the movies. I want the people at home that for the most part don't see these movies right. have a reason to see them. Yeah. And I think one way to do it is not eliminate, but somehow edit the award segments to the films, the shorts, yeah. the documentaries, so that we give greater attention. Not, not, again, every, an Oscar is an Oscar. Right. So everyone that leaves with an Oscar is leaving with an Oscar. So I'm not saying certain Oscars should be 15 inches and the other one should be 11 right. inches. I'm, I'm just saying that you have to do something to, to make the show, again, a little bit more watchable than it was this year. That's one possibility. Um, to me, the other possibility is just cut to the chase. You know, give out the awards, show the clips. Uh, we, we don't need to see the audience, who the seat filler is, um, and, and the bits that bomb. Yeah, I think Les Stick would have helped a lot. I mean, that whole, you said seat fillers. Uh, he, uh, Neil Patrick Harris did that bit with seat fillers that, you know, you take, that, take out that three minutes right there. Yeah. That nonsense and his, and, and, Cut out a lot of the nonsense. Bring back a little bit of Hollywood. You know, let us see. Let us see more than just... I mean, seeing Julie... It tells you a lot that seeing Julie Andrews was a highlight for a lot of people, was the highlight of the night for a lot of people. So give me your take. How are you going to make it better? Here you are. I'm putting it in a producer's chair. What are you going to do to make next year's Oscars bigger and better? I would pare down uh, the shtick, like I just said. Pare it down. Cut back. You don't need it. Uh, uh, I, I, I like an opening number, but maybe half as long as that. Um, I think, I think work in uh, a few more of the legendary. I want to see Al Pacino in that show. I want to see the people who are now legends, the Dustin Hoffmans of, uh, of the world. That's what I want to see. We want more hooray for Hollywood. Hooray for Hollywood. Okay. Um, everybody, it's amazing that that was 52 minutes. Um, it, it flies by when you, you have a uh, great banter, great topic. I want to thank my guest, Gary Warner. Again, one of the things I'm trying to do this year, um, bring guests onto the show, get another opinion. Um, he agreed with me on the Patricia Arquette thing. That blows me away because I thought he was going to defend it to no end and we were going to have it out. That, this was almost an hour and a half show. This I, almost, kind of, I kind of agreed with you. Yeah, this almost turned into something longer than the Oscars itself. Uh, everybody, I think it was a great podcast. Please continue to listen in. Uh, I'm hoping for some big Vince August news within the next 30 days if I could share with you. In the meantime, I will be warming up the Daily Show the entire month of March. This is huge for me, especially with John Stewart's recent announcement. Uh, in April, you're going to see me all over stand-up New York and comedy clubs throughout the city. And I will be headlining somewhere in New Jersey. Everyone, please keep spreading the word. Vince August, thank you for joining. Yes.